Hello, and welcome to Ethical Seduction, your sex and relationship podcast. We explore topics and skills designed to help you get what you want, both in and out of the bedroom. On today's show, we're going to be speaking with Navi Bliss. Navi is a certified love and relationship coach located in Toronto, Canada, and she's an inspirational speaker, and she's also the host of the Blissful Love podcast. Navi pulls from her own personal experience in order to help others overcome past heartbreaks and trauma, but what really jumps out to me is Navi's emphasis on, I'm going to say, quote, falling in love with yourself and how that relates with living a more authentic life. So I am your host, Stephen, and joining me today are Ava. Hello, fellow humans. And Brandy. Hey. And Navi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, Navi, I always start off and I say, like, has anybody done anything interesting this week? So wait, wait, wait. If Navi, if you have does anything come to mind with you, otherwise we will just pass and we'll let Ava and Brandy say something. Well, I guess the most interesting thing I did in the last week is um, I worked on a new speech for a, a speaking competition that I have coming up on Ooh. on Wednesday. Um, and since Toronto's in has been in lockdown for over a year and we have a stay at home order still. So that was mm -hmm. like the most exciting thing that happened. <laughs> oh, so yeah, well, that's big. So this is what, tell us about the competition and like, is it, yeah. I mean, are they going to have like a full audience or something or what? Yeah. So it's, it's all, it's, it's virtual right now because of um, COVID and uh, it's an international speaking competition. So there's lots of Americans in it as well. And it's inspirational stories. I'm certain that people have seen um, people that have won the competitions in the past because uh, there's a lot of the videos that have gone on to get like hundreds of millions of views and go viral. And uh, so this one is on self-acceptance. I've participated several times before. And yeah, it's called Speaker Slam. Okay, cool. Oh, cool. I'm yeah. going to have to look that up later. Thank you. Uh, me too. I'm totally looking that up. <laughs> um, no, that's a big deal. That sounds like a big deal. I mean, it sounds like a big opportunity and are you slightly nervous but you feel like you're ready so i've participated many times before so i'm part of the like i'm, okay. I'm just part of that i'm part of that community so it's just the whole community is so supportive but it's the nature of the storytelling that you do is like pulling like a deeply personal story and then sharing your learnings right so it's a little so that's how they differentiate um inspirational speaking and motivational speaking because motivational speaking is like yes you can do this right and it's like preaching and inspirational speaking is like i learned this and because i learned this and i'm not like more or less special than you the same can apply to your life and so it always feels like a bit of a vulnerability hangover every time i share a speech because mm. i'm like I shared that. <laughs> that's that's a really good distinction. Oh, that's because cool. I yeah. know, like, I don't know how well we do this. I don't ever want to come across as preachy. It's like I always want to be teaching people stuff, you know, that we kind of know or put together. But we are definitely in the trenches. I feel like all of us on on here, it's like none of us have it all figured out, you know. And mm -hmm. I think that's one of the the fun aspects of it. So mm -hmm. I like to think that we're like in there with the listeners and we're trying to put it together. That's what I said earlier. I was like, I can't do this by myself. I needed to have other people. So, but I've never heard it put that way. The difference between motivation. Yeah. I've never thought about it. That's a good yeah, thing to yeah. know. Yeah. Brandy, write that down as a note. We have to do that later. Okay. Inspirational versus motivational. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Ava, Brandy, you've got anything interesting. Maybe you got anything. I was supposed to go on a backpacking trip this weekend and the, Scheduling logistics that didn't work out, but I ended up going for a day hike that was seven Aww. miles that was supposed to be like the longest day of hiking that we have on our last day of camping. And that seven mile day hike absolutely kicked my ass. Oh, so I'm sure. kind of glad I didn't do the full three day thing because I was right. dead after, after the seven day hike, seven mile hike. That's what I did. We, yeah. we did that last week when you guys took over. Last week, uh, Ava and Brandy took over the podcast for us because mm. Kimberly and I were out camping. And so Ava and Brandy were like, oh, we're going to just do it, oh our own God, show, was, whatever we want to do. It was great. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we went camping too and we did a hike. And so like uh, my kids and I did, we did nine miles. It was on the Appalachian Trail and we, we were all the way out and we started back and I started to realize my shoes were coming apart like my boots, you know, oh, and it was rugged. No. And I thought, oh, I thought, oh my God, they're going to have to get me with a helicopter and pull me out of here because I great. cannot walk. I can't walk <laughs> yeah. four miles, you know, you on like. I quick on that one. 
<laughs> so yeah. anyway, they I I made it back, but it was like I made it back in time. Like one shoe started to come apart, and then as I'm almost to the end, I'm like realizing the same thing is happening with the other shoe. And all, all the we were passing the people on the Appalachian Trail who were doing like the whole hike. So the people were like, "Oh, well, everybody that you see today left on on uh, March 21st, and oh that's when they started the hike." So there's all these people. And you could just tell by the way they're, you know, they've got their stuff, but everybody had extra shoes. So sure. it's like they're, you know, not carrying anything extra, but apparently having that second pair of shoes is real important. And I'm learning, I'm like, yeah, that's me. Cause I'm going to get stuck out here and not mm -hmm. have, I'm going to have to walk barefoot <laughs> and I'm not going to be able to make mm -hmm. it out. Or it would be like a test of your survival skills. Like how, what can you use in nature to build your own shoes? Yeah. yeah. No, right. <laughs> you would have right. to have taken your shirt off and tied it around your shoe and then around your ankle in order to get back. Brandy's got it figured out. Or if you well, had like some string in your backpack, you know, take the string out. No. Or just bandage, just band I, Well, I did have it gauze and band aid. See, the gauze could have worked. Yeah. So anyway, you my were, daughter's, my daughter's I'm glad awesome. we didn't resort to the helicopter is what I'm getting at. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Um, hey, I want to give a shout out to a listener named Mark and I want to tell him happy birthday. Aww. Happy birthday, Mark. Happy, happy birthday, Mark. Mark. And then let's jump into our main topic, which is living authentically. And and I would like to reintroduce uh, our certified relationship coach, Navi Bliss. Uh, Navi is a certified love and relationship coach, certified inspirational speaker, and she's the host of the Blissful Love podcast. As a coach, Navi's mission in life is to help women fall head over heels in love with themselves so they can effortlessly attract blissful love into their lives. As an inspirational speaker, Navi uses her own stories of overcoming childhood abuse and neglect to inspire others that anything is possible and that they too can overcome any obstacle in their way. You can overcome your past heartbreaks and trauma and you can fall in love with yourself completely and learn to feel good in your skin every day and you can have the most blissful, magical relationship too. And Navi can show you how. So joining us today, we have Navi Bliss. Thank you, Navi, for joining. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so uh, let, let's start, like, if you don't mind, you want to maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, and also, I would like to hear kind of a little bit about your past, because you mentioned like having some trauma and neglect. So you want to just start off like a little bit about, like I said, yourself and some of your past history? Sure. Um, so um, I grew up um, with an abusive mother who was physically and verbally um, abusive to me. And so I grew up with very, very low self-esteem from the time that I was very young. And um, as a result, I attracted a lot of really, really horrible relationships because I didn't think that I was worthy or that I deserved better. And um through the course of my life and my personal development, this is like what led me to become a relationship coach because I realized that as I started to work through my trauma, as I started to fall in love with myself, that's when ease in relationships started to happen and romantic relationships, of course, but actually all relationships across the board because when you don't feel good in your own skin, you're constantly showing up in your life, hustling for your worth and that doesn't translate into healthy relationships in your life. And now um, my mission is to empower other women to embrace their power, to step out of victim mindset, to step into their power and just um, embrace themselves fully so that they can start to attract healthy relationships. Because I mean, I think the crux of it is right. Cause today's episode is um, about living authentically is like, the one thing that every single person in this world wants more than anything is to be loved for being us, for being fully ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yet the thing that's the hardest to do, that's the scariest to do is to show up as ourselves. And if we can't show up as ourselves, we don't actually give anyone the opportunity to love us for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. One thing you had mentioned, like, I know you have a real passion for like trying to help women. And from talking to you once before, I know that it's like, it's not just women. I think your focus and maybe who you connect with maybe like for your personal experience is the, is women, but you, you really do help everybody, you know? And I feel like 
that links up kind of with us too, in the sense that like, when we talk about things, my feeling is like, it applies to everybody. It's not like, oh, you're a man and therefore you get this rule and it's not, rules didn't write this advice and you're a woman and you get this other advice. It's really like us as people. And so the advice that we're kind of talking about, and I think this is what matched up with you, it really applies to everybody. So is it correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so how I target like a lot of my messaging, a lot of my branding is to like cis hetero women, because that's who I am. And that's who I can speak the best to. And that's the mm -hmm. experience that I can speak from. Right. But it doesn't mean that that advice doesn't translate to everyone. And I do, um, uh, I do coach men. I've coached people in same sex relationships. It's just that it's not necessarily how I brand myself or how I put myself out there because all of it does translate, but I can't claim to be an expert from position that I'm not familiar with either. Yeah. Right. Right. So, um, you also, you mentioned like, Hey, you want to help women fall in love with themselves so completely that they effortlessly attract blissful love. Can you tell us about blissful love? So I think blissful love is, it's not, um, you know, this Hallmark, the, this Hallmark movie version, which sometimes people, people think it is, which means that there's no difficulties, there's no challenges, there's no conflict. But what I think is, what it is, is a type of love that is lasting, where there's safety for both people in there. Um, and um, challenges can be navigated um, with respect and grace for both people. Yeah, Navi, I love what you said about um, like blissful love uh, being a space where people can, uh, what's the wording that you use? Basically like trust each other to like, we're like, we're going to resolve this, right? Like it's not that blissful love is that like everything's perfect and you never have any problems. Um, but that there's a safe space to like work through the challenges and problems that naturally come up in relationships is kind of what my takeaway was from that. And I feel like that is so important because so many people think that like the, the picture perfect relationship is, you know, all happy all the time and we don't have problems because we're perfect and everything's great. And that's just not the case. Like all, all relationships go through hard shit, right? Like everybody faces challenges in relationships, whether that's with another person or with themselves. And I just think it's so important to call out that like, there's, there's a way that you can safely work through conflict with another person. And that I think is something that I personally have struggled with a lot in the past and that I've learned a lot about, but I think a lot of other people out there have a hard time understanding what that could look like. Mm -hmm. So I think that um, having like some boundaries is key, but it, I don't even call them like boundaries, but just like understanding, like when you're in a relationship of what your non-negotiables are. And what I recommend as a baseline for people is not raising your voice because you do have a right to be upset and your tone might change, but like you don't need to scream at the other person because that's automatically going to create a fear response where someone's going to shut down, right? And no name calling and then owning what you're feeling and, um, using the I statements, right? Because sometimes there is a difference between what we heard and what the other person said, because our emotions get involved, right? And you can just often get such a different response from somebody if you can say, I heard this, or when you said this, I interpreted, I made it mean this. And then the, like, cause the response you might get from the other person is, well, I didn't say those words. You made it mean that. And then mm -hmm. you can be like, yeah, I did, but this is why, like where I'm having a difficult time emotionally processing it. And then the second part of that is nobody wants to sit for hours and have hard conversations, especially if someone has a background of trauma in the relationship. And like, let's face it. I want to say like 90% of people out there have experienced some sort of trauma in their life. So, you know, one of the things that I really, really recommend to people is set a timer. Okay. Like 10 minutes on the clock. We're going to talk about this for 10 minutes and each conversation does not have to reach a resolution. Right. But then, you know, like you can, someone can emotionally invest in that. Like anyone can emotionally invest and say, I can be present and I can be here for 10 minutes because I'm not going to get overloaded. And then after that, we're going to 
put an end to this conversation and we're going to pick it up at a later time. What would you, Navi, what would you say to someone that feels emotionally activated in, in that way? Um, just by like the idea of having that conversation just feels overwhelmed just at the idea of like, oh, there's this really, really big problem that I'm having in my life with this person. And I know that I need to tackle it, but every time I think about it, I, I tense up and I get anxious and like, I don't know what to do. Like, how do you, what advice would you give to someone that's like just wanting to broach the conversation, just make any kind of progress and they're super triggered about it? So one thing is, is like in the moment that you're actively triggered, right? Because like there's a lingering anxiety that happens and then there's the active trigger. If you're prone to shut down, you're not used to having these hard conversations, that moment isn't the time to have it, right? But you can let your partner know if you're with them, you can say, hey, I'm feeling triggered right now and I need a moment, some space, I'm gonna take a walk, I'm gonna do something and then I can come back and we can start to process this. And then if it's something that's been like, that is not an active trigger, like you're not super triggered in the moment, but you have anxiety around this, this hard thing that you have to talk about. I think it's just to put into perspective that you're walking, like think of all of the energy that you're putting into your life, like taking away from your life and you're putting into having this anxiety around having the hard conversation that you get to free up after. Mm -hmm. And so it's better to just have that conversation and it's not going to be easy. And in relationships, this is like also how you get to see if this is the person for you, because if you can't figure out how to navigate these conversations together, then you're not a good fit. And you're, you know, in, in like, and this is like, when someone has really low self-esteem and they have a lot of trauma they're like, the, the reason that they're actually really afraid to have these conversations is because they're like what if this leads to a breakup and what if this leads to this person leaving me and it's just the understanding that if you can't like if all of your life is going to be all of your energy is going to be put into focusing on all of these issues because you can't talk about them what type of person are you going to be and what type of life are you going to have, right? So you actually have to find somebody. And if you can't have that, because you're not going to work through everything with everyone. I mean, this is the one thing that I say, because I feel like there's a lot of coaches out there that are like, do this, do these five steps and you send this text and everyone will fall in love with you. And I, I like I say, that's BS. <laughs> because like that, like the magic of love is that it doesn't happen with everybody. It's not supposed to work. It wouldn't be special if it was supposed to work with everybody. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. Thank you. Thank you for that. I know I, I uh, sidetracked us a little bit there, but I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> I don't think you sidetracked it. I mean, actually, I was sitting there thinking, you know, about having the conversation. And then Ava, I thought you were kind of interesting because it was like, yeah, what if you can't even know where to start? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think people are, are going to resonate with that. I think there's, you know, certain listeners, it's like, yeah, that is the hard thing. And then Navi, like you're saying, it's like the, the sort of in the back of our minds is like, what if we break up with this person, then I'm going to be left alone and nobody loves me because I'm not lovable because I'm a bad person. It's like that, even if you know, that's like not true, I think there's still like that little bit of doubt that's kind of in your head. So it's really kind of hard. It does remind me of, I know everybody know, on here knows this, uh, Brene Brown, and so she's talked about, I love like vulnerability, you know, cause vulnerability has this kind of thing where it's like vulnerability is in my mind is like linked with courage. So it's like that putting yourself out there, it's that you're exposing yourself. You can be hurt. You know, people you're doing something, you're exposing yourself. People can now hurt you. Okay. And so that has a certain element of risk, but if you never do that, you never kind of make those connections. Um, but the point I wanted to kind of share, I guess, with Brene Brown is she had some part of a study that she did about like some people are more comfortable with being vulnerable than others, you know, which makes total sense. Okay. But it was like sort of like, yeah, for those people that are more comfortable being vulnerable, things kind of came a little bit easier, you know? And so she was trying to find out like why or what's, how are they able to do this? And I think all it was in the end, it was just like that the people that were more comfortable being vulnerable, that they somehow, I don't even know what, I don't want to say it was like a trick, but they had something in, this, in themselves that was like, no, I'm going to be okay if I do this. Like it's not going to destroy my world where somebody else might be like, oh, if I do this and something goes wrong, it's a little bit more crippling, you know, to them, uh, you know, thinking through it. So it's, in my mind, it's really important to try to help 
get people to where they're willing to take that risk. But I think when we take that risk, you have to do it in a smart way. You know, you have to kind of know like, what is the risk I'm doing? Maybe test the waters a little bit so that you don't overextend and do something too big in case you do get, do get hurt. But I think it's real important to try to be willing enough with partners to take that risk. And then if, if you can't do it, Navi, like you said, I think it makes it really hard long-term in that relationship. To, to, you're not going to have the skills to maybe work through things long-term. Would, would you want yeah. to Yeah. 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 I mean, I like, you know, I, I think, um, you know, like as you're bringing that up, basically it vulnerability is a muscle, right. And you, you build it by, by being vulnerable, right. Like that's how you get comfortable with it because it's just like, it's like anything, right. Because like, let's just say somebody who's never been in the water before, they're going to be uncomfortable going in a lake or a swimming pool, right? Because that's foreign to them. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't mean that they can't get, but the only way they're going to get comfortable is by going in it, right? Because it's not like the first time you walk into a body of water, you're going to be like, wow, this feels so comfortable. <laughs> you're going to be like, <laughs> you're going to be afraid. And that's, it's like that with any, any experience, it's a muscle that you have to build. And then when it comes to like the, like, I guess another aspect of the vulnerability or like being afraid if someone's going to leave you or what's going to happen, the reaction that they're going to have. So the thing that people think is that like trust in a relationship is like you have to trust the other person. You don't actually have to trust the other person. The person that you need to trust, and this is where what people really struggle with, is yourself. Because you have to trust yourself that if like someone hurts you, right? Like it, it like um, physically, like um, emotionally is like abusive to you. You have to trust yourself to be strong enough and have the courage to walk away from that. You have to trust yourself that if someone um, can't handle uh, whatever you're sharing with them, that you're okay on your own. You have to trust yourself to be able to navigate these situations. It's actually not the other person. And um, like focusing on the other person or trying to give trust to the other person is actually giving away your power and putting yourself in a place where you feel smaller and um, and powerless. <laughs> okay, so that's, that's interesting. Um... I'll share this really fast. So one of the things that I learned in passing therapy, okay, is it was, somebody was like, okay, you want to be trusting of other people and then you individually need to be trustworthy, you know, to sort of like earn their trust, okay? And then I think what you're sort of saying, is this right? You're sort of saying you need to trust yourself that you're going to be able to handle situations okay to get through the situations. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, to put yourself to put yourself first, to put your needs first, to like, um, you know, that you're not going to stay, like stay in those situations that that's, that's a trust that you need to have. Right. Because there's never going to be a guarantee. Like, even if you're in a relationship, like, let's just go to like the most, like, like the biggest thing that people want to have trust about is I guess, like, um, like fidelity, like they wouldn't want the person to cheat on them. Right. Like whatever definition of that entails in your relationship, right? But there, it doesn't matter. You're never going to have a guarantee of that. So right. the only way you're going to be fully trusting is if you trust yourself to be able to deal with like whatever it is in the, in like that situation. So it could be like um, the emotional upheaval that comes from that. It could be you trust yourself to walk away, to put your needs first. If you're not being um, respected, it's, it's yourself that you need to trust. <laughs> Not to say that you should not have trust with others in your life that you care for, just that trusting yourself should always come first. Yeah, yeah. And it's it, like the trust in others comes when you can trust yourself because that's when you can just relax around other people because you're not like, because it's you, you can't control another person ever, right? So you can relax around another person. Like you can feel trusting of another person when you trust yourself. Does that get into, in some respects, like, oh, now they can't hurt me? Like I trust myself. If they do something, I will be able to get out of here. I'm going to take care of myself. Therefore, you're not as vulnerable. No, because <laughs> it means that you trust yourself to be able to like deal with the hurt, right? To be able to like, so it doesn't because you can't. You have to open yourself up, and that like that is vulnerable. You can't have love without opening your heart, and mm -hmm. opening your heart means that you could get hurt. But the thing is, is like I guess the difference between like um, 
like conscious loving and codependency is that like conscious loving is two whole people coming together and codependency is people that are like fully reliant on the other person. So it doesn't mean that you're not going to be hurt, but it's like you trust yourself to be able to like process that hurt to deal with it. Like it doesn't mean you're not going to like have like like a breakdown and hurt, but you trust yourself to be able to keep going. You don't like you might have a broken heart, but you don't feel like you're going to die. Right. And I think that that's, that's the difference. (laughs) I I like that a lot. You you said that I've, I've kind of thought about that, but I have not been able to kind of put it into words as well as you did, you know, and that goes back to like, yeah, I, I can see why vulnerability is so important. And yeah, again, to kind of summarize, it's like you're saying, like, you're opening up, you could get hurt. And if you get hurt, you're going to know that you're, you can take care of yourself. So I think, okay, yeah, no, that's, that's very, I I really like that advice. I think that's really good advice. And like I said, you said it really well. So, Navi, you said something earlier, um, that reminded me of a friend that I have who, um, I, I love her to death don't get me wrong, but she has this tendency to go in and out of relationships just over and over and over again. It doesn't spend a lot of time um, alone, solo, like by herself. And every time our relationship ends, it, it's like, it seems like the end of the world for her. And I, I completely empathize with that. Like I can definitely understand like going through the emotions of a breakup. Um, but I, what I've noticed is all of the room that that takes up in her life and how she has all these other like goals of things that she wants to do. Like, you know, what kind of person do you want to be when you grow up? And she's, she's about my age. So early thirties. And, you know, we talk about where we want to go in our careers and things and never really seeming to have, have room for those things because it's all, there's always some kind of like epic love tragedy happening in her life, right? Like this epic love saga kind of a thing. Um, And something that you mentioned earlier, I forget the words exactly. just made me think like, yeah, if you can, if you can make yourself whole and and give yourself a full life and trust that you you'll be able to take care of yourself, whether you're in good times or in bad times, like you'll invite more of that room into your life because you're not putting as much energy into these, these really, really harsh emotional chapters that take up so much emotional bandwidth. Yeah. I mean, and that can be a pattern like where people can like, if that's actually like a sabotage pattern, right? Because it's like, Okay, I'm going to put all my energy into this person because I'm too afraid because I like what if I try in my own life like what if I try to go for the career of my dreams and I fall flat in my face and so if I have an excuse because I constantly create like this emotional relationship tragedy for myself on a consistent basis then I don't have to try I'm not risking falling flat on my face going for what I want and um So that's one aspect of it. And I think the other aspect of it is like when we're incomplete, we look for people that fill the holes in us, right? So we like, we look for like people that have like, so you want balance in a relationship and it's not like your partner is going to have the same qualities as you. But I think when you're a whole person, like, um, you know, okay, like maybe like, you um, are really great at certain tasks and like the other tasks, like you're okay at them. Like you're not the best at them, right? But you can manage, you can handle certain things, right? So like maybe like if it comes to like, like um, like finances, accounting, like that, you're okay with that, but then you're like really, really great at other areas of your life, right? And that's okay because you're gonna be okay. Like you, that doesn't have to be the strength. And if you get into a relationship and like you decide to like hand that over to your partner, there's nothing, wrong with that but it doesn't mean that like if that relationship ended that that part of your life would collapse because you can figure it out on your own you you are able to like navigate that right but when you're not wanting to like work on yourself what you're going to do is you're going to look for somebody that has those qualities and then you're going to like become like hyper hyper dependent you're going to create like a toxic dynamic to like to that relationship and this is why sometimes it's not people that are toxic, right? Like, cause I think that this is one thing I don't like is like people, like there's so much throwing around of like labels at people, right? Like this person is toxic. This person is narcissistic. And this, I think it's sometimes it's the mix of people that are bringing out toxic elements in each other. And of course, like, you know, you have like, there's, I feel like there's a very small amount of people in this world that like are like have severe problems and are like actually severely toxic. But a lot of other people just end up in these toxic dynamics because they're looking for qualities instead of working on building that in themselves. They're looking for the, that quality in someone else. And then they're like, they're 
like almost become like like so dependent on it it becomes like this needy like dynamic as opposed to like this supportive dynamic <laughs> so that toxicity that you're referencing that's really more circumstantial like the health of your relationship being toxic isn't specific to a person or persons it's really the situation that you've kind of set up for yourself yeah and i've worked with people and so it, like like I said, there's a few, there's a few situations, but I don't think that like, as you go about in the world, I think most people would agree that like, most people that you come across are not like, not toxic. Like, I mean, I mean, I operate under the belief that most people are like good, loving, caring people that might be working through some stuff in their life, but they're not actually like, like inherently bad. You know, I mean, they're like I said, there's a small there's a small amount. So I have worked with people where they've had a toxic relationship and by working on themselves, a toxic dynamic in their relationship can go away. But there's a few circumstances where it's just like that, that union is not because if it's like, if the other, like, cause you can't make another person work on themselves, but sometimes if you start to do it, it can really inspire the other person to do it. And if they, and if they don't want to, then then it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't force them. Yeah, my therapist got divorced years ago, and and she was always like, it only takes one person to change, you know. And so it was kind of like if you start to do that. Her thing with me was like, we're going to get you doing different things that are uncomfortable for you, which you know. And it's like, go out there and do this, and I know it's going to be hard. And then it's like you can see what happens, you know. So it's like if you start to change, that kind of influences that other person, you know. And, and that, that was an interesting brand new concept for me that I was not aware of. So. Yeah, it's like a dance. If you take a different step, you create space for mm -hmm. someone else to take a different step, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to say too, like, I feel like we are on here, like, you know, we're trying to talk about dating, and, you know, and relationship advice and things like that. Um, and in some ways, it's like, how do you, like, most people are like, how do I attract somebody? And how do I... That, that's the biggest one. How do I find partners and how am I, can I be attractive and, you know, attract them to me? But so much of, I think what we really focus on, like for, for, as far as providing information is always like about yourself. What can you do that improves yourself as a person? And then that ends up coincidentally making all the other pieces fall in line. You know, then you're attractive to other people because you've addressed these kind of, um, you know, aspects of yourself or been able to kind of, you know, present a little bit better or so. So yeah, I do. I, I like what you're saying too, because I just feel like the self-improvement, if you're able to do self-improvement so much comes into play, just, you know, falls into the right places. And I tell me what you think about this. I always feel like relationships are supposed to be easy, by which I mean that when you're doing things right, when you're connecting with the other person and it's fitting really well, it is so easy. And it's when there's, when it's not easy, that's a sign like, okay, something's not fitting well, you know, and that, then you can maybe figure out like, what's, you know, what, what's not fitting, you know, what's the part that maybe maybe need to work on. But, you know, I've had, I've had things with relationships with people where it's like, at, you know, it just kind of fits and it just kind of goes. And I've always taken that as a really good sign, but again, just bouncing things off of you. What do you, what do you think about that? Is that accurate, inaccurate or half, half and half? <laughs> no, I mean, okay. So I think like the, the, like, yes, like when it, when it is easy, it's like working, but sometimes I think it's also like the depth of emotion. Right. And this is where it's like, like, I see this a lot where people are forcing like a relationship, but they're forcing a relationship because they're looking at it like, Okay, this person has these qualities on paper that I really like, but they don't, they're not connecting with that person as a person, right? And I've seen people go through the most difficult, um, unbelievable things in a relationship and be able to support their partner and have it feel easy because they have so much love there. There's so much love, like the basis of that relationship is so rooted in love that it's so easy to show up in love and it's like it's so genuine right that you can navigate those those hard things and so sometimes it's like um it can be that there just isn't there there isn't enough there right and, and that's just where ha like having the person like take a like take a step back and be like do I really love this person or am I in love with the idea of who I want this person to be mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. T tell us more about the love. You might be repeating some of what you said earlier. Okay. But you're, you're talking about like, oh, well, they're just so in love 
expand on that a little bit more so that I and listeners kind of really get it? Everybody has a relationship in their life. And um, for a lot of people, it's going to be a best friend um, or if you're a parent, it might be a child where you just have so much love inside your heart for that, that person that there's a shit storm going on. It doesn't matter. You have the patience and you're willing to be there because you just, you see it. And it's not that you're wanting to change the other person. Cause I think that this is, that this is kind of like an, like a, an element because it's that you want like if the person is struggling with something or they're going through a health crisis or whatever, it's that you just want, like, you want them to be well, you want good things for them. And so you're just, you're just there for it. And then there's, you know, another situation where you're like, yeah, this person is attractive. Like <laughs> this, um, you know, um, they make good money and, you know, um, we look, uh, we look in photos together, <laughs> but you know, I don't really like they need to change all of these things or I'm pissed off all the time. And, you know, if they're having like uh, this, this issue, I just don't have the patience to deal with it. And sometimes I think it's the shame associated with being, because we just don't want to show up like that for everybody. Right. And I think that like, you think about it in terms of why is your best friend, your best friend, because you will show up and you're willing to show up and you might have, you know, 20 other friends that you would never do that for because it would feel like a tremendous burden. And with that person, it doesn't feel like a burden. That That's interesting. That's a good point. Okay. Well, I was, I was curious about, um, inauthentic people and it's not just people, it's like really all of us. Okay. Uh, but I thought that might be interesting to talk about too, because I think knowing for myself, okay. So Navi, just a little bit of background about me. Um, when I was younger, I kind of struggled with certain, I was not the best at dating, for example. Okay. And I had, I had misinformation in some cases, you know, it was just like the way you know, my parents raised me and the way Walt Disney raised me. And it's like, you know, you grow up in certain things and you get, you, you get taught a certain way. And it was like in my late twenties to thirties is when I started to realize like some of these like beliefs I had, you know, were not necessarily they weren't correct or they weren't accurate. Right. So then in my thirties, I went through this big, like learning boom, you know, where I could, I could go to the library and look anything I wanted up. Right. So I grew a lot. Okay. But when I compare myself like sort of the before and after, okay. So in my twenties, I feel like I was not living authentically. Okay. in myself. And so by that, and it's kind of hard to figure it out exactly like, you know, what do you mean by that? So I did certain things, but I got to a certain place in my life where I realized like I was, married and had the kids and had a job, you know, and did all the things you're supposed to do and all that kind of stuff. Okay. But then it didn't quite feel right, you know, and it wasn't necessarily, I didn't, I didn't have, I don't want to say self-confidence, but there was a certain aspect that I just knew wasn't quite me. Okay. And so for, for myself, I realized like, well, I've, st I've want to be a good husband. I want to be a good father. So I had like stopped interacting with some of my friends from the past. And I realized like, I really needed that. And I really needed them to be people that I chose versus, um, friends of like my kids, like parents of like their schoolmates and stuff like that. I like those people. I like coworkers. I like, you know, people I work with and stuff like that, but it wasn't the same kind of, um, maybe deeper, really more intimate kind of connection that I wanted. That was like people of my own choosing. And that was, that, that was kind of an inauthentic aspect of myself. Okay. So one, I had to just get down and sort of be like, you know, who do I want to be with? Who do I want to hang out with? And, and so there was this big growth period, you know, and, and, and it was admitting things to myself, you know, about who I was and, you know, what did I want? And, you know, sometimes it's like, I'm an architect during the day and it's like, okay, so you're not going to have the most famous building in the world, you know? And it's not, not that that was ever like my main goal, but it was like, you get to a certain point and you're like, okay, the dreams that you have when you're in school are different than they are when they, you know, where you are now. So I feel like I wrestled with that and I feel like I'm much more comfortable with myself now, but i still know there's like aspects you still have to kind of work on. Okay. But so many people I think are accidentally not living authentically like they and we would want them to. So can you tell us a little bit about maybe the inauthentic 
type of traits or things like that. Because for me, it was like becoming aware that, oh, I'm not doing things I want to do. That was a, that was a big first step for me. So what, what, what do you kind of see as like, I don't know, characteristics or something of like inauthentic people or what, what did, how do they figure some of that stuff out? Well, um, I would say like the best thing like that I recommend, right. Is like asking yourself the question when you're doing things, am I doing this because it lights me up? Am I showing up this way because it lights me up because this is putting a spring in my step. Right. And, or am I doing this because I'm insecure and I need to prove myself to some to someone, right? So I'll, like, I'll give you like a, like a simple example, right? So like makeup. So makeup for me is something that I wear because like, I, like even if no one's going to see me, if I get up in the morning and I put on makeup and it's like, it makes me feel put together and I don't need to like see anyone else. And it's not coming from a place of insecurity. It's coming, like, I like to try different colors of lipstick. It's like, it's like that, that is like me. It's like, it's like embracing like my bold side, right? Whereas like for another person, it could be like, I can't be seen the way that I am and I need to hide myself. It's not lighting me up. It's like, it's actually like this mask that I'm putting on. And I think you can ask that about anything that you're doing in your life. Am I showing up in this way? Am I uh, presenting myself in this way? Am I doing these things? Am I going to these places because it's lighting me up and it's bringing me so much joy to do this or because... I'm trying to make an impression um, on another person or project a certain image of myself. I love that you use the term, does it light me up? I have never used that term before. I typically say, does this fill my cup or does this add spoons to my day? I've never heard it say, does it, does it light me up? And I, I'm totally adopting that. I love that so much. <laughs> I had never heard the spoons thing until this past week. Mm -hmm. And I had to go ask Kimberly, I was like, what does this mean? The spoons? How many oh. spoons do I have? And I was like, and she was like, you're so old. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'd never heard that. So that's funny. Um, and then if I could just say like one thing, like um, sometimes like people like they like hate dating because they have this idea of like, okay, like a great date is meeting the perfect person and having the perfect experience. And I like to think of dating as free therapy because for <laughs> chance to try on different versions of yourself and have different experiences with different people. And it's through that, that you actually learn about yourself. What do I like? What do I want? What do I not want? Right. And if you start to think of a date that you go on, that wasn't what you wanted as like, okay, like I know that I don't want this. This is something that I don't want. And you think of it as like a learning experience. You've actually taken a step forward, right? In, in getting to know who you are and connecting to yourself and your desires. So it wasn't a waste of your time, right? And that is like, that is like the process of, of dating. And, and, it, and if you start to think of it that way, it can be really fun and it can be this great way because like I think that there's this idea that okay I have to have everything in my life together and I have to be perfect but that's not actually authenticity right before I can go out and, and date so you want to be a whole person but like you might be working on being a whole person right but that's like the fun of dating because it's like you don't have to like jump in and jump into a relationship with somebody you can date them and you can become a whole person through the process of dating multiple people. Ooh. Wait, you mean I don't have to be perfect before I find my happily ever after person? <laughs> Navi, I want to do a future episode uh, because of comments that Kimberly and Ava and Brandy have all made about how they hate dating. And I'm like, I don't think you guys hate dating. You know, and I say this in part because I, I know them all, okay? But I think what I stumbled on was like, there's this certain frustration that they find and but they're also very, they're very, I think, very good with, with relationships, you know, and, and talking with people and, and doing that kind of thing. Right. So when they're like, oh, I hate this, you know, because it's, I, and I thought we need to do a show on that because I'm, I'm kind of like, there's something a little deeper in there that I want to kind of explore. But for myself, now I, I'm a people person. I love meeting people. I enjoy almost everybody who I meet, you know, and, um, so when I would go on dates, I never really thought about it as like the sort of like what you're saying, oh, this is going to, this is, I mean, if this doesn't work out, this is a waste of time. And I think a lot of people do kind of look at that and Ava, I mean, 
and Brandy, you guys tell me, do you ever, I mean, I assume you feel like, oh, so if I go out with this person, I just am not, doesn't click. You all feel like it's a waste of time? No, I don't feel like it's a waste of time. It's just dating, to use the phrase, does not light me up. Um, it's just, (laughs) and so it's very taxing on me. Just, it's, it's just an exhausting experience. I'm an introvert. I'm very socially awkward. And so it just, you know, if anything highlights all of those awkward things, um, more so. So, but you do love meeting people that you click with. I do. I love once we get past the casual talk and we're into like the deep connective type conversations Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, but before then it's like, what's your favorite pasta noodle? You know, it's like, I don't know. (laughs) Is that, is that a question that you ask on your first date? Oh my gosh. Yes. Is that an actual, really? Yes. I need to start asking that. And we got to talk and when we get through all the pastas and then we like start going in the grocery store thinking about what, if you only had to like eat one of these between like mashed potatoes and a loaded baked potato, which one would you choose? It, you know, just random stuff like that. Oh, I love that. <laughs> well, I think that like, okay, like, so like, this is like, so like, as an introvert, obviously, it's going to be harder, because like, you have to get yourself like, it's, it's a lot of energy that it takes yeah. you to meet other people, right. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I think where it gets frustrating, like, you know, where you can eliminate some of this frustration as an introvert, is plan dates that are short. First dates mm-hmm. should be super, super short, and you should filter who you're going to go on a date with by having a phone call before and the phone call should be 15 minutes max. But if you don't, if you're not vibing, like if it feels like uncomfortable on the phone, don't go because then then meeting that person is going to be uncomfortable and just trust yourself, trust in like the abundance of people out there. Mm -hmm. And then like what I would suggest is like, see you're not constantly having to meet like multiple people and maybe this isn't the best advice during covid but it depends i don't know <laughs> like but it's like, <laughs> schedule like let's just say a bunch of coffee dates in one place mm-hmm. like around one area and they're like all 90 minutes apart and let's say you schedule four dates in one day that's your day you know i need to show up in my like extroverted energy and i'm going to put my energy <laughs> there and then the rest of the week I don't have to do that. And then it's like, it takes the burden off. Right. As opposed to, cause then it's like, it's not like, and then like, there's like, if you meet four people in one day, like the likelihood of you having a connection, like at least enough of a connection that you'd want to meet one of those people, like one more time. Right. Like Mm -hmm. it's like, is much higher than if you just meet one person and then you don't Mm -hmm. have to like, then try to like muster up the energy on another day. Right. Like that's Mm -hmm. a couple of days after. So you give yourself that energetic break in between. Oh, that's a good idea. That is a great idea. I've never, never, I've never never thought thought about that before. And I'm like, why have I never, why would I never think of doing it? It's genius. Right. I'm trying to picture you guys be like with your your calendars out here. Be like, okay, oh, yeah. I got a 90 right. minute time slot for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bob, I love me a I list. Put you in yeah. here and Brandy, right. Brandy, Bob. we can do it. We can do it together. We'll like schedule a Saturday and be like, yes. okay, all of your dates are gonna be at this coffee shop on this Saturday, and yes. then I'll do mine, and then we'll just like hang out yes. and drink wine up and be like, how how are your dates today? Oh, oh my god, how, how fun <laughs> would it be if like we went on a date with the same person and oh my god, went from coffee shop to coffee shop? Oh, and you have to think because some people feel bad, right? Like to schedule like a short first date, but you have to think of like it takes the pressure off for the other person too, mm-hmm. right? Like if you knew you were meeting somebody for the first time and they told you like, hey, I, I really want to meet meet you and I don't want to put it off. And I just have like, you know, um, like, like an hour, um, would that be okay for us to like meet up? Like, you're going to be like, oh yeah, great. Because like, if it sucks, like I haven't invested Mm -hmm. hours into this person. Yeah. Yeah. I I think we've talked about that. Like what is a good first dates and apps, you know, dating apps and and one of the things we've kind of settled on, I think is sort of like the coffee date is great, right? Because it's like the other person can leave you whenever they want to. So it's like, there's no pressure on, and, and that, that's the other thing is you don't want to hold them around. You know, if you do a big thing, you're locked in, you know, and then that creates pressure, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. that hurts. I'm going to say, quote, your chances. And so you're better to have it. Now I will say this too, Brandy and I met for a coffee. This is years ago. This is when we were first, we had started like talking through the internet and stuff like that. And we were like, okay, let's get together. Right. So we did the same thing, coffee date. Right. And now, and so what I think was supposed to be something potentially short ended up being like two hours. Oh Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, it was both of us like, okay, we got to, you know, but I think that's when that can turn into that. Like if it, if things work and if you click and if everybody's happy, then you can stay there for two hours, but Mm -hmm. otherwise anybody can leave whenever they want to. It's, it's very easy. Yeah. And I think that's the trick is to make it a non-pressure environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the thing is like, if you happen to do it like on a day where you can't right, where it's like, you could, the max you could go is like 75 minutes. Cause you have like, you have another date that's coming. Right. Yeah. even if you have a great connection with that person, just think like you're building anticipation and excitement for the next date, right? So there's nothing wrong with that. Like, it's like, you know, um, like that's, that is like part of the fun of dating is like, oh, I get to see this person again. I'm excited to see this person. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that. Thank you. Well, uh, let me, let me ask this question. Um, so we've talked, Navi, we'll have to have you back on at some point in the future. Okay. Because you're, very knowledgeable about like, I really like the idea of like the falling in love with yourself and taking like doing that aspect in order to kind of, you know, make the relationships and the other things in your life kind of happen. Okay. Uh, but question though, where we're talking about like living authentically, um, some people can't always do that. So, you know, as a, the, the example that just kind of comes to my mind is like somebody who is maybe queer and it doesn't work with the rest of their family or their jobs, or they're just in some kind of environment, right? So they're not able to live authentically, even though they would maybe want to, uh, do you have advice for a person that's in that situation on things that they can do? So, I mean, one is like they need a space where they can live authentically, right? So if they can't all the time, right? Because, I mean, I do understand that. Like if you're in a job and you can't all the time, then you need you need to have a space. So you have to find you have to find a community. And this is like where the internet is beautiful because you can find that community for yourself, even if they're not local. Like if you're in a small town, like you have to find a space where you can live authentically and be free and then I guess like like little elements of things right um so um you know if um like maybe like there's like okay there's a certain way that you would want to dress and you can't dress that way because your job won't allow you to maybe you can wear some special underwear that is like so you because no one can see that at work and you like it puts that little pep in your step because that's your secret for yourself. And I'm doing that like, right a- now. <laughs> wearing your favorite underwear. I'm wearing my special <laughs> underwear right now. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> but yeah, like just something like something small, like, like, um, like, or like a piece of jewelry that's like, you know, that they can like, like tuck under their clothing, like just something like that they have a token of authenticity on them at all times so that like they're not fully fully suppressed because you know like it becomes too hard to like live like that so if you if you know you have a community that you can go to where you can be authentic and then you have like a little token of that you get to carry with you through the rest of your life I think I mean it's not going to be easy but obviously you know it can help you um, navigate the time so you can get back to your community. Stephen, it's like when I wore the butt plug to the club for the first few times, just to make me <laughs> remember that. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Remember. So Navi, story, yeah. one of the things I learned about Brandy is when she gets nervous, she's, she goes like, well, can I just like wear my butt plug? And I'm like, yes, because it makes me make smile. You feel more, it makes me smile. Most people that would make them more nervous, but, but for Brandy, she's like, well, if I just do this, then it'll like, yeah, it I'll, really somehow helps, I'll be like, okay, it'll be okay for me to get through the situation. So. <laughs> That's my token. (laughs) So, so that's interesting that you say about the community, because I think all of us, you know, are our big connection, the the, the four of us that are usually on here, it's like our big connection is through the the mark in Nashville, which is our kinky community center. Okay. And so that's the thing that uh, I'll add this, like I help with the welcome team. So as new people come out, you know, I and, and others are on that team there to kind of help make sure they have a good first experience. So much of what we do is like put them at ease, but also like check in with them and and you're basically just taking care of them that that first night or so, okay? And and letting them know like they're in control, nothing scary, you know, there's nobody's going to ask you to do something that you're not comfortable with, all that kind of stuff, right? But I think when people come out for the first time, it's because they're like, oh, we're going to go to the sex club and we're going to do something, you know, whatever. So they're coming out for like these sexy reasons. 
And then what ends up happening, and I, so now I know this in the back of my head as I'm meeting this person for the first time and, you know, I'm like, okay, I know why you came out here, but the thing is, if you meet everybody, the thing that's going to hold you is the community. You're going to find these people. You're going to really like pe the people here. I think my opinion, because most people are very accepting and we're also in our group, in our community. It's like, we like people that are from different diversities and things that are, have, are into something that is different than what we're into. Like none of us are into the exact same things. Brandy wants her butt plug. Not everybody wants her butt plug, you know? So it's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're totally normal people we did <laughs> anyway but everybody's a little bit different and so i think when you when people come out we've talked about this it's like very often we feel like okay we can be a certain way basically authentic with each other in a way that we can't be with other friends or family members they get to know parts of us they don't necessarily get to know kind of everything about us so the huge benefit is this community aspect so i'm sitting there thinking like you're coming out here for the first time you know, because of the sexy thing. But if you stick around, I know it's like what's going to end up holding you is the is that community and that connection that you share with with the other people. You know that that's what everybody cares about, especially right now. Like our club is just kind of reopened again for the first time, so COVID's ended, and that's what everybody's doing. You know, they've turned the music down so that everybody can talk because it's like people just want to get together and like see each other because they haven't seen each other for such a long time. So I feel like that the community aspect, it's interesting you bring that up because it's like, that's something I think we've all experienced. But honestly, I feel like before me going to our, you know, our local center, it's like, I don't know that I really had that. You know, I had individuals that I would talk to and connect with. And, um, but having a whole community center really does make a big difference. Before the mark, I, I definitely never had a space where like, it didn't matter who was there. I could just show up and, and be myself and not worry about like the filters mm -hmm. or not worry about judgment, like just to have a space and, you know, maybe my besties are there, maybe they're not, but mm -hmm. I know that everyone's here is here for reasons that yeah. probably overlap with mine. And that's that, you know, there are these things that we can't just share with the rest of the world openly without, without facing repercussions. Right. And we don't have to worry about that in that space. Yeah. And I know I found like, you're not aware that you have this weight on you. And all of a sudden after finding people and finding the group, it's like, it's gone. And you're just like, for me, it was so much easier to deal with people at work and everybody else in like life because you had this, uh, the, these sort of, I'm going to say special people in your lives who you could be connected with. Yeah, no, it's so, it's so important. And like, in that, like, and like I said, I mean, like the beauty of like online and the internet is like if if you can't find that in real life like you can because whatever it is like whatever your truth is you're not alone like that is like the one thing that's like guaranteed so even if you're alone like if you're in a small town or whatever you're not alone in the world and you can find your people and obviously it's not the same as in person but it is like you know knowing that you're not alone makes like a huge um a huge difference. I mean, that was, uh, so I, I feel like I've been living authentically for a long time, but there is like something that I got from, like I get from my speaker community actually, because like I've gone through a lot of trauma and just like really, really hard things in my life. And that is something, it's not a secret, but I don't necessarily share it like all the time, although now I'm doing lots of speeches where I share it with people, but like, you know, because it can, for someone who doesn't have a history of like heavy trauma in their life, it can just be a lot. And then the reaction that I get and everyone in the speaker community, it's because they, they have a message to share because they've been through stuff. Right. And so I'm like, wow, like all of these people have been through stuff. And it's like, what, when I say this stuff to them, they're like, it, it's not shock and horror. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They get it. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask uh, Navi kind of a couple summary questions. So this is like speed round. Okay. So, you know, so let me ask you a couple questions and you just tell me, you know, sort of briefly what, what you, what comes to mind. Okay. So um, what does living authentically mean to you? To have the courage to show up and fully be yourself and be present in the moment, be present in your body. Uh, what steps can somebody take so that they're not accidentally holding themselves back so that they can live that more authentic life the way they want to? Just start questioning yourself a lot. Um, knowing what you like, what you don't like. Again, like what lights you up, 
what uh, what is dimming your light um, and just start noticing and paying attention to those things. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Paying attention. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where can people, this is what we were just talking about, you know, where can you find people who accept you for who you are? And, and if you don't mind, let's, I know we were just talking about this. Let's go into a little bit more detail because I feel like this is probably a big one. So I, I don't want to like shortcut it too much. So I think it's like the first step is, I guess, you know, you start the questioning and start knowing, knowing what it is. Right. And so, um, and then knowing like, and if you start to figure out what parts of yourself you're, you're suppressing, right. Like for all of you, it's this, um, it's like, you know, you're part of this kinky community. Right. And so like, if you know, if that's what it is for somebody, then that's, that's great because then they can like, they can go and they can start searching for that. If it's something else, like, like I said, for me, it was like actually like a history of like, like people with trauma, but I never found like, I've been to therapy, but I never found that in therapy because it is people that were still really actively working through it. And like, once I was at the like other side, I can hold space and compassion, but um, I'm not in the same place as those people, right? So I found it actually in, in the speaker community. Um, so I think it's like just figuring out what it what it is for yourself. And then then you can just start start looking. And sometimes I think like I really, really believe in energy. And I mean, I'm a very spiritual person, so I don't know what the rest of you, what your beliefs are, but I really believe like like if you like commit yourself to wanting something and searching for something and open yourself up to it, like you will stumble upon it. Like it will come to you, even if it doesn't come to you right away. And so are you saying this? So before you're like for, uh, you know, somebody's holding themselves back, it was like, pay attention to, to yourself. Like what are the unmet needs we'll say that you really, or the things that you're, that you want to do that you're holding yourself back on. And in some ways, I think you're saying the same thing, like finding your group or your community is the same thing. Pay attention, like what those needs are. So you can then be like, Oh, I need to go find a group that is into, you know, this or that or whatever. So, so, okay. So a lot of it kind of goes back to like that sort of that self-reflection being aware of, I'm going to say the issues or the things you want to change. That's, that's the key starting point. Does that seem right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Because like, that's, that's when you're going to find, find those people. Because if you don't know, um, then even if that, even if it shows up in front of you, you're going to like, mm -hmm. stumble past it, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, what last question, what is the biggest takeaway that you want listeners to remember? That you were the like, the unique combination of cells that makes up you is so unbelievably rare that you are not an accident so you have to embrace your uniqueness because you're not like somebody else you're not like this person or that person because you're not supposed to be like you're supposed to be you and the biggest gift that you can do and the biggest service you can do on this planet is just have the courage to show up as you that's great. That's great. Brandy, Ava, any final questions or anything? No, that was just, it was wonderful. I felt like I just had a therapy session. <laughs> I know. Great. I can you. tell. I know. Abby, you, I can tell you have skills that mm -hmm. the rest of us do not have. Like mm -hmm. you've got that sort of like that, mm -hmm. you have that certified you know, relationship. <laughs> back right. So it's, yeah, no, it's really, I, I appreciate you being here because you really did bring a lot of interesting thoughts that you're, the way you present and stuff is different than what the way we have. So I appreciate that very much. Well, thank you guys for having me. I mean, I had a, I had a great time um, meeting all of you guys and uh, hopefully um, your listeners will, uh, will get some, um, some benefit out of this as well. Yeah, definitely. C can you tell people like where they can find you either on social media and can you talk a little bit about your podcast? Sure. Um, so um, you can find me. I have a website, which is um, navibliscoaching.com or um, on Instagram at navibliss. Um, you can find me on Facebook at navibliss, um, on Twitter. Um, Instagram and Facebook is where I'm the most, um, I'm the most active. Uh, and uh, my podcast is called the Blissful Love Podcast. And so that is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And I talk about relationship issues. So mostly romantic relationships, but actually 
all like I all kinds of relationships and I do have um different different topics like so whether you're single and you're wanting to attract love into your life or whether you're already in a relationship there's there's a huge array of different different topics that I cover there sounds good thank you uh, we will have some links in in the show notes as well so anybody who's interested and you're listening to this just look at the in the show notes on whatever the podcast player you're listening to and you'll find find links to to Navi so um let me introduce so we're going to do next week so you know we're working through the our eight point guide to flirting and seduction and so each of the different eight points that we have we're trying to take an hour long episode to kind of talk about them um we have covered influence and persuasion in the past and so that is one of the 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 chapters or one of the eight points that we have and i thought about this more and i thought and really what i think we need to talk about is more of like negotiation so now in our scene, we always know that as like, okay, you know, you're sitting down and you're going to like negotiate with your partner, your partner about like, what do we want to do? You know, or it could be like, if you're having that, whatever, that difficult conversation about something and it's, you know, we would say, so say that as negotiation, but it's really, it's not just, you know, maybe negotiation sounds too formal. It's more about how do you have those conversations with people, you know, some, some are like techniques and some skills that you can have. And it's kind of like Navi was saying earlier, like if you don't have, you know, keep it short keep it brief and, you know, um, you know, have the conversation maybe multiple times. So those are the kind of topics we're going to get into next week. Um, and if you have any questions, you can email me at Steven at ethical seduction.com. We also have a button on the website. You can click on that button and you can leave us a voicemail. And if you do that, we can play it on the air and answer your questions on the air if you want. Uh, we have the Ethical Seduction website, ethicalseduction.com. And we're also on Instagram and FetLife. And we have some Pinterest stuff up there as well. So if you're a first-time listener, please subscribe uh, to to us through your podcast player of choice. And Navi, I want to say thank you once, once again. We've had a great time having you on here, and I feel like you really brought a lot a lot to us and i could tell like you've got really good experience so i appreciate that thank you oh thank you for having me it was a wonderful experience <laughs> all right thank you everybody talk to talk Bye. again next week see you bye. next time bye, bye.